0: Good day to you, Warren.
1: Good day to you, Jeremy.
0: Well, another episode, another week, and uh, this one is uh, carrot to go fishing in the dark. Oh. Yeah. Well, we had a surprising week, actually. It's been a good little run for the Oilers. Uh, Winners uh, six of the last seven.
1: And not all against Ottawa.
0: no, No. The free bingo spots are Ottawa, but you still have to beat the teams. And I think that's something that you have to look at and say, hey, they still need to win.
1: And if you win when you don't play your best, those are the uh, those are the ones that the Oilers have had trouble with
0: over the yeah, past 15 then, years. so we've had some big changes in the week. Uh, right now in the standings, the Oilers are sitting uh, tied for second. Uh, Montreal is ahead of them. They're both at 18 points because they've only played 14 games. Or 14 uh, games so far, while the Oilers have played 16. Toronto is kind of running away with it right now with 23 points in 14 games played. Uh, We do have the Jets on our heels with 17 points, and they only played 13. We are lucky these teams play against each other. Hopefully, we just don't see a lot of teams uh, getting those three points, right?
1: Those overtime games, yeah.
0: That's what we kind of need. And the Flames are sitting there uh, with only 13 games played and 15 points. Uh, Vancouver's pretty much out of it. Uh, (laughs) They, unfortunately, have played the most games and only have 12 points. They're really struggling, and Ottawa might set a record. Really, 15 games and only five points. It's not looking pretty for them. Funny enough, though, they did beat Toronto, and they did beat Montreal. So... Twice. <laughs> Who would have said that that would have happened <laughs> to get those points, but that's the way it goes. Um, we always started off with goaltending. Um, we had a real neat kind of wrinkle to it this week. What we're seeing is that majority of the teams do only have one goaltender. They're riding one goaltender pretty hard, but there are a couple of teams that are actually going with two, and they're having success with it. Uh, Montreal has really split their games almost half and half between uh, Price and Allen. And funny enough, uh, Allen has the better numbers. 201 goals against, a 9, 933 save average. Uh, well, Price is 284 and an 896 average.
1: And you might have to take a look more in-depth than, than, than I have at the quality of competition. Who's, play, who's getting to start against the quality teams? Who's getting to start against uh, some of the weaker?
0: It, it makes a difference definitely, but playing half and half has been pretty interesting on how they've split that way and just seeing that. Uh, Vancouver's done the same uh, with neither having a lot of success. <laughs> unfortunately, 374 goals against average for Demco, Holtby's 375, 896 for uh, Demco save percentage, 885 for Holtby. Um. Still, the gold standard is still sitting in the same spots. Markstrom, 2.36, 921 average. Hellebuck, 239, 920. Uh, then we'll have to go to Anderson next at 2.59 and 908. Then we got uh, our Euler goaltenders kicking in, which really, Smith had two knockout games.
1: Yeah, I, I was never expecting this uh, coming off of the injury. Uh, and playing very quiet in the net. I, I think that's the best compliment we can pay to him. He's a big guy, not as big as Koskinen. But for what I've been watching, he has just positioned himself so well and hasn't let in that easy goal that is almost a trademark of Mike Smith in the month of January, February. Granted, January, February this year is a whole lot like October, November of regular seasons.
0: Yeah, his uh, it's interesting. He Right now he's sitting with a 985 goals against average our 90 save percentage and only 0.5 goals against the two games. So you couldn't ask for anything better. Cause he has had nobody score on him except for Larson, which yeah, was a nice backhander. <laughs> so he got that one top shelf. Can't blame him for that, but you're right. He's playing quiet. The net, uh, not overhandling the puck either. If he plays like that good success, but I also think it has to do with the defense. I think the defense has to make sure they're not getting those cross scene passes. Because I find that when Mike Smith and Koskinen in either or, when they have to move side to side, they struggle, they lose their net, and they get beat often. I found that in the Chicago series last year, that's what they were doing, and they were game planning for it. So I don't know if the Oilers have kind of got a system going to try and protect that, but we're seeing some positives with it. Uh, We still need to see the Oilers get their shots per game down uh, to help out these goalies. They're at 32.9, which is 28th in the league. Uh, you don't want to be that high up in the league. Like, if you compare them to the rest of the teams, the only team that's worse in their division is Vancouver, of course, and they're 34 shots per game. But you look at these other ones uh, where we do have the goaltenders having success, surprisingly, Winnipeg's still getting a lot of shots, so that shows how good Hellebuck is. They're, they're still getting 31.7. But then you take a team like Toronto, only 27.9, even Calgary, 29.2. So when you're kind of taking away four, four to five shots a game, uh, I think that's going to make a difference long-term. I think Winnipeg could run out of luck if they keep on giving up that many shots. But definitely the Oilers need to get in that top half of the league. They need to get that down.
1: One of the things that I've, I've noticed, over, especially over the last couple of games, is the Oilers' ability to keep it in the offensive zone. And uh, the, the old adage, best defense is a good offense. Even if you're not scoring, you've got that third line and the fourth line with the ability to keep that puck inside the offensive zone. It's, it's, it's a boon to uh, the goaltenders and the, de- the defense, and, uh, and they're also chipping in at the odd goal here and there where that was something we just weren't seeing at the very
0: beginning of the season. No, it's made a huge difference for sure. All right, all this goalie talk makes a guy thirsty, and uh, we're going to be doing a real nice one today. Uh, excited about this one, Omen Brewing. Uh, they specialize in dark beers, which uh, basically is the Oswald family that does it. Uh, funny little connection with this is with the Oswald family is that uh, I coach one of their kids in hockey. So I actually call him the Wizard of Oz. He's a great hockey player. So uh, I think it's a neat thing going on. They're starting to call it uh, the 99th, uh, basically the 99th Street uh, Beer Market is what they're looking at. Because there, there's so many places around in this area. This one we're doing, uh, we're basically doing what's called the Medieval Wheat. It's a Duncan Weisen. A Dunkelweizen. Basically, what this means is it's going to be a dark wheat beer, right? So wheat beers typically have that kind of banana bread kind of flavor. And this one definitely does have that. Tasty. But with this darkness, what you find is what comes through is that nice, kind of a nice caramel and fruit flavor. Like this is one of my favorites. Uh, Very limited. Like they do everything. They've got uh, basically six different things that they make for beers at a time. So they go through a lot of beer. You're always going to get really fresh beer from them. I definitely go in there for tastings at any point. Uh, They do have canned beer you can take home. Uh, Like I said, I I love their beers. I think it's a great place to go to. Uh, That's going to become a real neat area coming forward. So who knows? Maybe with this podcast, like I said, I think we may have to do a a little trip through these ones. Yes. uh, Come on,
1: vaccine. Get in here. Get everybody (laughs) so I can travel to the other side of the river. Let's again. get
0: in. But yeah, this is a great beer. I love the I love their little symbol too, right? You basically got the devil and you got the uh, basically got the angel with the the halo. So I think they've done pretty good on this. But yeah, this uh, Dunkelweizen is a great beer. Well, it's been a good run for the Oilers' defense lately. Uh, I think we've seen some interesting things happen, and I think Tippett's got some big decisions to make going forward.
1: Well, heading into the family day long weekend, the uh, defense has provided a lot of offense. Five, I think, out of the last six goals were scored by defensemen.
0: They're they're having a, a really good run. They have thirteen goals by defense by uh, defensemen this year, which is first in the league. Which would
1: never would have happened anytime in the last so dozen ha- years.
0: How many? How how long do you think it took the defense to get thirteen goals last year?
1: Did they get thirteen the entire they season? They
0: did. It took to game forty-five. <laughs> So you kind of seen in 16 games played, that's pretty incredible. The addition of Barry's obviously helped, but Nurse too. Nurse with six goals, like he's tied with the league with Weber, which is pretty incredible when you think of it. Both him and uh, Barry both have 12 points each.
1: And it's even more remarkable when you factor in the uh, Bear hasn't been, uh, you know, playing for the last I don't know how many five six games.
0: You, well, that's the interesting part about it is uh, Barry has been playing a lot of minutes with Nurse now, right? They're playing it and a lot of people say, well, that's great. But you actually compare the C between Nurse and Bear and Nurse and Barry, uh, you're looking at Nurse and Bear are 54, almost 55%, where Nurse and, nurse and Barry are 49.54. So really, Nurse and Bear are actually a better, better pair number-wise. So that's gonna be the interesting part of where they're gonna get these guys and where they're gonna put them, right? I think you have to really look at their shot differential, their 5-on-5 goals for percentage. Nurse's numbers right now are through the roof. He's over 50% on all of them, which is incredible for a defenseman. You're in a really good spot. Uh, Barry's just a bit under 50 at 48.6, but still pretty decent. Uh, What we're seeing, though, is that when you actually look at the best pairings, number-wise, when you're talking about goal differential, Corsi, you're looking at Nurse and Bear are the best ones, Larson and Jones or another pair that are really good together. Hmm. So I don't think Jones is getting the credit that he should. He's sitting out, and it's kind of too bad because his numbers are actually all above 52. And you kind of think that, well, you know what, they probably have to get him in at some point. So they're going to be in an interesting situation with their defense going forward. Uh, When you look at uh, goals allowed, they're still allowing 3.25 goals game which is 20 seconds so we need to get that down and i think that's the big struggle they have is deciding what defense pairings to go in and what you're going with you don't want too much uh, uh, offense to suffer the defense but i really think that when you look at the young guys and the numbers they're they're doing i think they have got to look at playing more of these young guys than the older
1: yeah i don't think playing russell is going to benefit the team in the long run especially when you've got good defensemen who are sitting out guys like Jones, who is not getting any playing time. For the longest time, we had Bouchard, who when he came up, now all of a sudden it's really hard to take him out of the lineup. I don't think any of these younger defensemen, uh, Laderson, none of them have warranted
0: not to play. Well, and I think that's the re- really where we're coming from, and I think that uh, Tippett's reluctance to put a younger pair together um, shouldn't be there. I think I think in the end, you got to go, if Bear is healthy, you go nursing Bear. Then your next pairing, uh, you have Barry. I would even maybe think of moving Barry over to the left side, right? So you can still have Bouchard in there,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then uh, like, and that's that's if you still want to have Larson in there, right? The problem is that right side is kind of stacked up, but you're gonna lose Larson at the end of this year. Right? I doubt the Oilers are gonna re-sign him. I think we could either move Bouchard or Barry over to the left side, and then go with go with the young like I have no problem going with Laguson and Bouchard. I think they've got to look at who they're going to go with with defense and nurse has eaten a lot of minutes at twenty four thirty seven average Barry's twenty one forty seven uh then next would be bear at twenty twenty eight so when bear's back you know he's going to be playing those minutes
1: and you put a, lot, a younger uh, pairing together with let's say Laguson and, and 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 Bouchard I don't think it's necessarily a a bad thing because I see guys like Larson who aren't getting into the passing lanes and are really developing or has the potential to develop bad habits within these young guys because they don't have the passing lane to get through there. Larson is always, for some reason, at least in the last couple of games that I've watched, always finds a way to get the defense or the, 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 the opposition between he and his defense partner. I don't know how he doesn't ever find the spot where he should be
0: yeah, I, I I I'm just not sure uh like like I said I don't know if they're going to re-sign him. When you when you kind of look at the team overall on that right side, I think Bouchard Bouchard's here to stay. I think Bear uh Bear's an excellent defenseman and I think they may want to keep Barry. Barry is a rocket of a shot. Um I I don't know if you want to get rid of a guy like that. Like I think that uh, at one point you may say like, "You know what? This is a good fit for our team." And maybe you do keep him and and it's nice to get this offense from the defense because these last few games, uh, we haven't seen a lot out of McDavid or Drysaddle, right? Secondary assists. So I think having defense like this and having these guys in is just going to help.
1: And, uh, you know, again, we've got a lot of offense. We talked about it earlier when we're uh, talking about the best defense being a good offense. These are guys that are pinching up at the right time. So that puck is staying in the offensive zone. They're not getting as many shots against over the last couple of games. And,. Uh, And where you watch Larson, he's always falling back. He's always doing the safe play, which, you know, you can't fault him. That's how he plays. But uh, at the same time, take two steps up. Skate, man. Skate. Get your stick in there. It
0: is really nice to see Bouchard and watch how he, instead of just doing that flip up, that puck flip in the middle that Larson does, or that bang off the boards, uh, you have a guy who puts it on people's sticks. And you just see the breakout happening better with guys like that. That's what I want to see out of this team, too. I want to see guys that are more mobile. I think we see a good future with these young guys. I think the big hard part that we're going to have is Timbitt going to go with those young guys or not. Well,
1: again, they've done nothing to warrant take, being taken out of the lineup. Um, you know, we're not. I don't know if we're still up in the very top where shot blocks are happening, which I know is a big thing with some stats guy. Look at how many shots he's blocked. It's because he didn't clear the zone.
0: Well, and that, that's where Russell's numbers really shine on uh, Corsi, um, where Fenwick, he doesn't so much. So there's always that age-old argument. And what are you causing? Like, are you causing that shot to happen because you're bad play and you have to block it? So, like, great, you can block a shot, but what I like better is you get that puck out and you don't have to block that shot. So, <laughs> All right, we always like to talk about a business during this point because local businesses are the heart of Edmonton. They're, they make Edmonton roll. During these tough times, too, we need to support the local businesses. And we're going to go to a real neat business that uh, I love personally. I think that uh, they've been around forever, and it's the Italian Centre. The Italian Centre started up back in 1959 by Frank Spinelli, and it's still owned by the same family to this day, which is incredible when you think of it. Um, they have... They, they've expanded. They're actually going to be opening a new store in Short Park, Ooh. which, hey, great. That, that to me, is just add to that uh, deal. And they also have one in Calgary. Um, Frank started way back in 1959, and he was just selling uh, magazines, pop, and chocolate <laughs> when he first started. So it's I like little... all three of those,
1: even if you just kept it at that.
0: Well, you know, he could have kept it like that, but I, my guess is the money's not really there and that, and so obviously expanded one of the big things he did in the 60s was he he got uh, homemade homemade wine legalized so we've got to give him big props for that because mm-hmm. that's kept a lot of good italians a lot of uh a lot of good ukrainians too, make some wine at home and uh...
1: well I, I know i had an old roommate who used to live here and he's from brandon whenever his mom and dad came into town they would make their first stop to the italian
0: center See, and there's, to me, there's so many products that we love to buy on there. Um, Yesterday, me and my daughter were making pizzas. So you can buy the dough. You can roll it out and make your pizza. Just a real easy thing, a fun thing to do with your kids. And then the products they have from the buffalo mozzarella to the Italian 24-month prosciutto. uh, They have tons of spices from Spain and a lot of other different countries. So to me, it's just not only Italian. They do a lot of European uh, food in general. I just love going to the place. I think one of the neatest things about them is that, like, they have the family involved, but when they opened the one in Calgary, uh, Gino Margarella, he's the one who opened it up. He actually worked when he was 16 years old cutting meat at the downtown market. So that's even, uh, those kind of stories you hear, you think, wow, uh, this family's involved with so much in the community, too. They support the community. Uh, I, I can't think of a better place to go shopping on a regular basis. I love discovering all the different kinds of foods, the different kinds of meats, the cheeses. Just an excellent place to go and a great as- atmosphere. And I'm excited to see what the Sherwood Park one's like. Now we're going to talk a bit about the offense. It was definitely a different week. Um, we saw... We saw some great games, we saw some wins, 6 out of 7 was fantastic, but we didn't see the usual suspects score, and that was what's kind of made things interesting.
1: Yeah, as we mentioned, 5 out of the 6 goals, uh, the last 6 goals were scored by a defenseman, which is something that I don't know if I've ever seen in Oilers history, and since I've started watching them coming out of the WHA. Uh, and, and guys like Jujar and and, and, uh, and Archibald, I mean these are... These are the offensive wizards right now.
0: On so, the, yeah, that, that whole line, uh, you know, do you care to uh, go fishing in the dark? Well, they're being called the nitty gritty dirt line, right? So, it's kind of a funny nickname that's come up. And uh, they've been excellent together, those three. And that adds a whole new element. And I think the frustrating thing with Kara is that you see this, you see what he has. You're like, he scored a beautiful goal. The other yeah, night, the
1: snipe was... Like just
0: a nice. That was a nice play between the three of them, nice passing and nice snipe short side. And you go, you have it. Like you know, you look in the last four games, he's played twelve to fourteen minutes. He has, uh, you know, he's scoring points. He's had two goals and two assists. He's a plus six. Like this is what we need out of him, and it's so frustrating because he was put on waivers in January. Not one team picked him up. Like, that kind of says, I hope that says something to you. We talked about this before, and I'm like, if you have all that, bring it. Play like that. I think it really helps to have a guy like Archibald because he has that motor.
1: Uh, yeah, and Yamamoto are two guys that I love to watch play, even if they're not scoring points, just because they're always on the puck. Their forecheck is probably uh, the best on the team and the best the team has seen in, in quite some time. Uh, just the way they're so tenacious. They don't have a lot of size to them, either uh, Yamamoto or, or Archibald. Uh, but Archibald he's always in there he's always hitting he's the kind of a grit guy that we need and 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 I think his offense is underrated
0: yeah I agree and I think that we're seeing some positives out of that line so it's nice to see another line together uh, I would like to see them go six defense and four lines I think that's what success is going to be about going mm-hmm. forward so I guess it just depends what they're going to do with their players uh, hopefully Haas is going to get back I liked. I liked him in the short stint that we did see him in, but I guess that's something we have to think about with himself too, is that where he's going to be at. Um, Dry is still dominating in the face-offs. You can't really beat what he's doing at 58.75%. Just an unbelievable stat and the amount of faceoffs he takes all over. Um we're also looking at McDavid's just a bit below at 49.3. Haas is 46.88, but he's very limited on the numbers, right? Mm-hmm. He's only done, uh, he's only about 40 face-offs compared to like 180 for dry sidle. So way different numbers, but we want to see where they're at. McDavid, if he can stick around 50, which he's pretty close to, that'd be fine. Turris actually had a couple games where he was 75% on the draw lately. so Yeah, he's that up, number up.
1: For him has jumped up quite, quite so, a bit.
0: 49.71, so at least he's getting he's getting up there. Uh, Shore was 49.09. What it looks like right now, though, is that he did put uh, Neal on waivers. So that means they're probably bringing Koskinen back. That's what it sounds like. Koskinen will be brought back to the fold. uh, Jarvi, uh did test negative again, so they flew yeah. him back separate. So it sounds like he's going to be ready for Monday too, which is positive. But I think with this whole lineup, uh yeah, we've won 6 out of 7. I think you got to take into account four games are against Ottawa.
1: Yeah, definitely even before the Montreal game, uh you, you look at half of the wins that the Oilers had, they were against Ottawa. 4 out of the 8 wins were against Ottawa, which is we, you know, not to offend any Ottawa fans, but uh, uh it's it's essentially the the free space on your bingo card. You you need those four wins. And uh, I was glad to see that they finally beat Montreal. They are 500 against Toronto. They're essentially 500 against everybody except for Ottawa.
0: Yeah, and you know what? I think it's key to try and get... uh, If you get 500 against Montreal, which will probably be one of the top teams in Toronto, you're laughing. Because like I said, uh, the way I've looked at it right now is that I think Toronto and Montreal are going to be 1-2. Just all the numbers say that, the way they're playing. I think that could be definitely a possibility. I think it's that third fourth that they're going to have to go against Calgary and Winnipeg. So I think these games that they play against these teams going forward are going to be so important. But interesting stats that we got to look at. And I, I really think that uh, there's always a reluctance to change the lineup. And maybe don't, I don't want them to change the lineup, but maybe the players that are playing. We're looking at a guy like Nuge. He has 11 points this year, but he only has four points even strength playing with McDavid.
1: Yeah, and one of the things that I think is is maybe one of the problems in on, on that line is McDavid is just so up and down and fast
0: where Nuge kind of slows that line down. I think I think Nuge plays a different game, and I think that you've got to look at what what kind of game each guy plays. And I, I'd rather see Cahoon up there just to try and flip it up, and I'd actually just flip the wingers between the first and second line because when you look at it, the argument they can have is, like, we're still looking at Yamamoto – He's still stuck at uh, eight points, right? So he hasn't put up a lot of points. Uh, Harvey's put up five points, four even strength, but not a lot of points. Cahoon only has five points. So we're not seeing these wingers get a lot of points, whereas McDavid and Drysidle, twenty six and twenty eight points. To me, there's not a good connection with those guys. Um, and we and, saw it.
1: Uh, sorry, and we saw it at the end of last year. That line of, of Yamamoto, Drysidle. And and uh, and 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 Nuge, that was one of the best lines to watch in hockey. I loved watching that that line play. It was like every piece fit together perfectly, and and the success showed. But we haven't seen that line put back together.
0: Yeah, you know what? We saw that in the playoffs. He went away from it, and everybody was kind of confused. But I think he wanted to go. He didn't want one line just to get shut down, is what his figuration was. But nobody could shut them down. So I, I think you go with it, you play that, and then try these other guys out. Like I have liked the way Cahoon plays. I think he gets in the right places. Uh, what I do see, though, out of all our wingers, we just don't have a real finisher. Mm-hmm. Like that one-shot scorer, and you're just, I watch some of these other teams and watch some of these guys, and I'm like, yeah, you know what, that would be great because the, the setups the last couple of games that Drysaddle and McDavid have given to these guys have been just, unbelievable yeah and, and the four, i've been yeah, four foot wide uh, shot <laughs> i just don't quite get where that's going so i think that uh I, i'd like to see getting getting nuge going would be huge i think if you could flip him in there that'd be great um just depends where they're going with that right uh i i look at takeaways too so guys that can get the puck back and do things rnh is very good at that he has eight so far this year dry saddle leads the team in 10 tourist surprisingly has five takeaways hmm. i think Tourist may be coming into his own um i've been very hard on him i still think he needs more points so three points so far is not the expectation that i have for him no you know i kind of thought he would be uh on a pro rated season at least be a point every two games so i thought he'd be you know eight or nine points at this point only at three i just don't think that that's really acceptable for where they are. Like I said, these wingers themselves, for who they're playing with, you look at a guy like Archibald, who's played with everybody in the sun, been in and out, doing a whole bunch of things, he has five points. So there's no way that guys like Cahoon and uh, <laughs> Yamamoto... And, You're like, getting
1: five points playing with uh, with Jujar Kara and whoever <laughs> and, else is on that line. And the
0: treat of the week, right? So I, I just really look at that and I think, wow, like that's that's going to be a big difference, right? Uh, we saw the power play kind of slumped the last few games. I felt there was a bit of a lack of urgency. They've dropped down to 10th when they were 8th last week, 24.6%. Uh, um, I kind of look at the top guys, and I'm not seeing the urgency again.
1: One of the things that I've noticed is uh, when the Oilers' power play is, is on, the puck gets onto the stick and it's gone. And that's when they're really good. When they sit it down and the goaltender can get back into position, that's when it really starts to slump. you got to have those one-timers. you got to be really quick. You can't let the goaltender set up again because the way the Oilers' power play works is they pass it around, pass it around until the goaltender can't get into position. If you let him back into position, he's not going to score.
0: Yeah, moving the puck is so important, but getting that zone entry, I just find there's too many passbacks, too much of a curl. they got to do things. A couple times that last game, they were dumping it in, and nobody was going for it. So I think they need to get that urgency back in that power play and get it up because uh, that's going to be one of their bread and butters. It always has been, and uh, it's huge for them. Their shooting percentage, they're 7th overall, so that's pretty good, but also means they probably should be getting some more shots. Uh, goals, they have 3.44, which is 8th in the league, so they're scoring enough goals, and that's been the reality this year. They score 4, they win. That seems to be where they're going. PK is still struggling in 23rd, uh, 75.5%. Uh, I thought the last game they played really well on the PK. Uh, Cara is really good at that. I give him credit for that. Archibald's really good at it. Nuge is really good at it. So we're, we're seeing some better play with those guys, blocking those lanes, getting in. Uh, but like, I, I, think, I think we ought to give Mike Smith some credit over his last two games, because I think he's played really well.
1: I think one of the problems early on in the season where the Oilers' pa- uh, penalty kill was toward the bottom... Even more so than they are right now, was the soft goal by the
0: goaltender. Exactly, and I think that's what they're going to have to really watch, right? Like they, they, they got to change some things. Uh, penalty killing. Anybody says you talk to any player, they tell you it's just hard work. That's what it is. It's getting in those lanes, is active sticks, it's making sure you're doing your best to, to basically stop these goals. And so I'd, I'd like to see some improvement in that. But overall, six out of seven. How can you complain with this team right now? Uh, they are in a good spot. Uh, they're not playing on the whole Canada day, kind of the, the hockey <laughs> the day off, in yeah. Canada. But uh, I kind of funny, kind of find that funny because when you kind of look at it, you're like, there's seven teams. I'm no mathematician, but who can you play? And they've played <laughs> the most games. I'm kind of happy they're getting a bit of a rest now. Um, I'd like to see what happens with these games this weekend and see where the Oilers end up going, right? And uh it's kind of exciting, though. Like I said, it seems like we've kind of gotten a uh, third line with Ennis, Archibald, and Kara now. So if they can keep that rolling, we get those first two lines going a bit more five-on-five. Five, and then just solving that fourth line. Like uh, We haven't found out what's going to happen with Cassian. It sounds like it might be longer term. Mm-hmm. I don't know what he injured, what he did. I thought maybe it was something with a hand because of that fight when mm-hmm. he was punching helmets. But... Uh, he uh, he's going to be out for a while, uh, so we can't really have him in the lineup. So I think it's really going to depend what they're what they're thinking completely, right? Uh, my guess is uh, they put Shore on the taxi squad again. I think they might be bringing up uh, Haas. Maybe Haas is ready again. So we'll see if they inject some speed into that fourth line. Maybe bring in Nygaard, Haas, and uh, we'll just have to see what they want to do with all their players, right?
1: One of the things that I was uh, kind of mulling over, because I've liked uh, Archibald anytime he has a chance to play with McDavid, because he's got the wheels, he's got the tenacity, uh, he's really, really good on the forecheck, as we've mentioned, and you get those loose pucks, and they always seem to find their way onto Connor's stick in the offensive zone, but uh, if you do that, we finally got a third line scoring. Do you want to break that up?
0: Yeah, well, and that's the hard part, right? I think you almost want to keep that, and I think if you can just flip the wingers on the first and second line, you're going to be in a good spot. But like I said, it's still always a work in process, I guess. Um, But like I said, I was really happy with that line, and I think in the last four games, they've really kind of uh, put a new wrinkle into our game, and you kind of look at it as that if you bring Haas back, do you just move Turris to the wing, you know, and then maybe throw Nygaard, maybe that's your fourth line. We'll just have to see how it all plays out, but uh, like I said, exciting time, and like I said, six out of 7 it's been a good run.
1: Well, one of the things that I've noticed as well before we uh, shut things down here today is as soon as we say something on this, the next game, everything, the exact opposite seems to happen, so.
0: Yeah, we've been a bit hard on some people, and uh, yeah, now now we're seeing something different, so you know, not much you can say about that, it's just a reality of the whole team in general. So contest time. Uh, obviously Omen Brewing. We've been very happy with this medieval wheat, and we think that somebody else should have the medieval wheat. Uh, last week another family member, because those are the people who listen to my show, I guess, <laughs> our show, me and Warren now. Uh, my dad actually knew that Nurse was drafted seventh overall. So good on father. Out of the Sioux Greyhounds. Do you know what? Funny that uh, that's the way it works. So, but like I said, the dream is to pass these beers on to somebody not a McCain, and maybe not just somebody that we know just from here, but you never know. So basically what we're going to do is, because we've talked about Kara, right, it's going to be the whole Jujar, uh, you know, fishing in the dark, the nitty gritty uh, dirt line. Uh, we're going to ask you uh, what his birth date is. Wow. Yeah. That
1: is something that I don't know.
0: He was born in 1994, and uh, he shares a birth date with my wife, so it's kind of a funny deal. I kind of laughed at that one. Uh, She wasn't born in 1994, though. No. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Warren, it's been a pleasure as usual. Yes. Uh, Great show. And like I said, I'm excited to see what the Oilers do this upcoming week with lines. And uh, we'll talk to you guys soon.